live from tape, pre-recorded at our studios in Austin, Texas, and Portland, Oregon. It's syndicated with Leslie and Ben. Hey everyone, I'm the Ben of that. And I'm the Leslie. This is a twice monthly podcast about television, genre, and storytelling in which we watch an episode of a show and explore the history of television one episode at a time. If you're just now tuning in, we're talking about Superstore, which debuted on NBC in 2015 and has ran for six seasons ending this very year in 2021. Uh, oh, right off the bat, uh, you know, normally we try to, to try to interject if we see something interesting uh, as we talk about our uh, introductions to the show. Uh, I think it's important to talk about uh, how this show is surviving right now, uh, which is that they filmed an entire season that takes place during the pandemic mm. in masks. Yeah, I have not seen the current season, but they have been releasing episodes through the pandemic. I want to say that season six started last October, October of 2020. I think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. So they have just been trucking along and filming throughout throughout the pandemic. Yeah. I, crazy. I'm, no, yeah, no kidding. I, I think... Um, well, uh, to say content would probably be wrong, but I think a lot of studios have been content to just kind of skip a year mm. of of their television shows. I think famously the, the show that's coping with the pandemic the worst is The Bachelor. Uh, oh, right. Because they've, uh, they, they've had like weird kiss scenes in which neither person is clearly in frame and they're like kissing dummies or whatever. Uh, well, are you um, serious? Oh, dead serious. There's some There's some footage from that show uh bachelor and bachelorette whichever one is happening right now i i, I it's the bachelor i want to say sure yeah pr probably i maybe agree with you uh where it's very clear that they're just kissing like a dummy in a wig but it's shot from the back so <laughs> like okay like we, we know the bachelor and the bachelorette are like manufactured right sure but that's like the most nakedly it's manufactured <laughs> right yeah that's that's next level right there that's that's commitment to the bit we need a big dramatic romantic kiss. So uh, if anyone wants to go down to Party City real quick, we can. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, but I, I'm looking at the marketing for season six, and it's them all kind of doing the, um, you know, crossed arms, back to back poses or whatever. All oh, right, the like, easily photoshopped together, splice these people. Yeah, yes. uh, possibly taken from earlier photo shoots. Uh, years prior or whatever. Sure, um, sure. They've all got the the kind of blue tinted uh, medical masks, uh, and it, and the the slogan says "more essential than ever." So, uh, speaking of essential, actually, that appears to be the first the the title of the first episode of the current season of Superstore. So clearly, they are addressing this whole thing. I have not watched it yet, but yeah. Yeah, clearly they're 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 leaning into it, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's something to say there about. Uh, well, I guess if any story is going to take place as this is ongoing, the life of a real retail worker, uh, you know, it, with masks and hand sanitizer is unfortunately unchanged. Yeah. Um, as they are still expected to put everything on the line uh, for flat screens, uh, yeah. which is what which is what we'll be discussing uh, later today. 
Leslie, I don't know if you remember this, but about like maybe about two or so weeks ago, which I guess will also tell us, tell you, the listener, when this was recorded, I put out a thread about like, I'm curious to see what stories will pretend the pandemic didn't happen. Mm. Uh, not like in a conspiratorial, there is no COVID way, but like, right. a, you know, because this is such a uh, societally earth changing event, whether media that is made right now or media that comes out years from now will factor the quarantine and COVID and the pandemic into people's mm. stories. Like in month three, like last June or whatever, it could, you could kind of, now that this is stuck around, mm. it, it it's past the point in which it can be ignored. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm curious, like, will, will stories in the future reference, you know, this time period, like, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. Will COVID be, uh, or, or the quarantine or pandemic, be part of people's backstories like the war in Iraq or whatever? Right, right, right. It is right, for right. characters now. Or like or, 9-11 or... 11. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's it's now going on long enough that it is impossible to ignore. Um, yeah, you're telling me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm, I'm just curious to see how that affects storytelling, whether quarantine will be like an essential part of like characters character developments in history but also like right now we're like you know are new seasons of csi gonna have masks on or not you know what i mean like that kind of stuff uh but back to the show at hand uh which definitely has masks and also the episode that we're talking about today came out about four years ago yeah this show features ugly betty's america ferrera as amy an employee at the cloud nine big box store a national chain of all-purpose department stores not unlike a target or a walmart and Drop Dead Divas Ben Feldman as Jonah Sims, a fellow worker at the aforementioned store who acts as Amy's nervous love interest. It's an ensemble cast, not unlike Community or Parks and Recreation, featuring the comedic talents of other store employees, notably Nico Santos as Mateo, Colton Dunn as Garrett, Lauren Ash as Dinah, and Nicole Sakura as Cheyenne. Excuse me. And Mark McGinney, former Kids in the Hall player, as manager Glenn Sturgis, a squeaky man who doesn't seem to be quite in charge of the store that he runs. Uh, very much the kind of incompetent, uh, incompetent boss uh, trope that started with Michael Scott. Sure. Uh, not, not started, but probably is best personified by. Mm. Uh, Mark McKinney was previously in Slings and Arrows as the festival manager, which we covered earlier this season. Um, speaking of ensemble casts, and obviously we just mentioned community and parks and recreation... I do actually like when shows have, like, not just, like, recurring characters, but, like, I don't know. B- both of the other shows that I just mentioned are, like, firmly set in the world that they're set in, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, like, you know, whether the season is about them or not, characters like, uh, I don't know, Community Starburns or, um, you know, there's just, like, the weird students or weird citizens of Pawnee just keep popping up whether they're featured or not. Right. Anyway, I just love shows that do that. I do too. Um, and actually, uh, Superstore is really fun in that uh, as an NBC property, there have been other NBC shows that have um, this big box fake store in them. Like I know I was watching Good Girls and they were at a Cloud Nine doing their shopping for stuff. Oh, that's <laughs> um, so, so that funny. Was, yeah, it's, it was really. I was like, "Hang on, I know what that is." It's very fun stuff. Is uh, is Cloud Nine the store that uh, uh, 
Kristen Bell is at when uh, she dies in Good Place? No, I don't. God. I know, no. Um, I don't. Spo- I mean, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, spoiler alert. Kristen Spo- Bell spoiler dies. Spoiler alert in for place. I don't know episode three of Good Place. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, mean, you know they're you dead right out, away. Yeah, right away. So. Yeah. Uh, Last but not least, the episode that we watched today was Black Friday, in which our gang of overworked employees at Cloud9 have to deal with the oncoming rush of customers dead set on getting slight discounts on flat screen TVs. It's a nauseous ride as some potential food poisoning gets the entire floor staff sick, and a potential pregnancy scare gets to Amy while she's scrambling to keep up with the job. Yeah. Uh, Leslie, uh, we do not have a guest on this episode, which means that this question is directed at you. Why Superstore? Okay. I love Superstore. I feel like it is one of the most underrated comedies on NBC. I feel like uh, it has many, many moments where it's up there with Brooklyn Nine-Nine in terms of comedic value. The jokes are incredibly smart. They're very, very funny. Um, and they 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 have these recurring jokes. Um, like they keep showing uh, customers doing random things uh just as a cutaway in the store and it's just it's just really a fun show it, in, a, in a funny show it's one of my favorites and as we're doing workplace comedies i felt like it just absolutely needed to be included is mm. this the most job workplace comedy that we've done because i think, I think so i think everybody all the other shows that we've covered which again uh scrubs better off ted the larry sanders show and uh slings and arrows are about mm-hmm. career people, mm-hmm. um, you know, with is... with salaries and uh, and you know usually uh, specialty or college training, mm-hmm. um, or, or whatever you know because they are they're performers or they're doctors or they're high level like ad executives or whatever. This is the mm-hmm. most like nine to five or I guess graveyard shift <laughs> or uh, three yeah. to ten or. Uh, 39.5 hours so they don't have to legally pay you health insurance. Um, right. Like, but, but you know what I mean? This is the most like, well, you know, look, there's no such thing as unskilled labor, obviously, but uh, the most uh, entry level, like workplace that we've covered on the show so far. Yeah, the most blue collar for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, which will probably remain the case unless we cover like, I don't know, taxi or something. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is what, what differentiates this one from the, the other ones that we have done so far, is that it is it is very much um, just an everyman, blue-collar workplace. Yeah. And actually, now that I'm thinking about that, as I think to other popular workplace comedies, a lot of them are, yeah, not a lot of them are set, like, at this, at this level. The other ones that we frequently mention, stuff like Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and The Office, kind of all all have yeah. yeah you kind of have to you know work into those positions um ah, hey, that's really interesting there aren't a lot of like entry level workplace comedies that i can think of not off the top of my head anyway yeah they're, yeah they're, they're, it's it's unique in that way for sure yeah those are those are usually all about people with uh salaried positions or like plenty of corporate or professional experience right um interesting that's an interesting dynamic we'll see if we can find uh, more to talk about later this season Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's a very funny show. I think this is the second episode I've ever watched of it. I I know I watched the pilot, and I might have watched the second episode thereafter. And I thought it charming. Okay. I just don't think it was the type of comedy I wanted to watch at that moment. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, I kind of place it in the, well, maybe someday category uh, sure. of entertainment for me. Um, and, and then probably started to watch something else. But no, I, I found it very charming. I think there's a very clear delineation. I know we just mentioned a bunch of shows. Um, but there is kind of a, a legacy of entertainment that very much went from The Office to Parks and Rec to this. Uh, actually, no, sorry. The Office to Parks and Rec to Brooklyn Nine-Nine to this. Mm, yeah. I think yeah, there's yeah. a very, very clear line from, even though this one isn't a mockumentary, I think this very clearly kind of exists in the shadows of like those kind of shows. And by those kind of shows, I mean stuff created by Michael Schur. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Michael Schur, for those of you who do not know, is the series producer on The Office and Parks and Rec and The Good Place. And I believe he was one of the, yeah, co-created the comedy series Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Huh. Uh, and was a producer on Master of None, but that doesn't quite fit in the same uh, same category of comedies that we're talking about. Right. Um, but, but you know, the, the, the big ensemble cast, kind of quirky humor... Every single one of those shows has a Jim and Pam or a Ben and a Leslie. Mm, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you did. Yeah. How about that? How about that? Wait, that is Adam Scott's name in that character, in that show, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hey. I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't either sweet. until you just said this just now. How about that? Yeah. No, it didn't even occur to me. He's like, wait, that's the name of our show. Shit. <laughs> like, hold on. That's us. Um, but, but, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like those shows have a type. Um, right, right. Of of huge casts, that kind of uh, uh, dynamic. There's always like a, a that kind of um, couple in the middle of it. Uh, this mm-hmm. very much feels of that energy, even though I I don't believe Michael Schur is in any way connected to it. Mm. Probably because he was busy making uh, oh the critically acclaimed Good Place at the time. Yes, yes. Although that would not stop him, considering uh, The Office and Brooklyn Nine Nine and Parks and Rec all overlapped. Mm. In terms of production. Yeah. Ah, he's also responsible uh, to a degree for Abby's and Sunnyside. Oh, yeah. He did do Abby's. Abby's was canceled really early. I feel like I've talked about Abby's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I really I really did enjoy that show. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's see. What, what is there to talk about about uh, this show? Uh, I think it. Oh, you know what? I think it's got a I think it's got a weird kind of take on the work that they do in this show. Okay. Because look, especially because this is the Black Friday uh, episode, which is one of the most stressful days for retail workers imaginable. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I can't even. Well, I guess that entire season really of Black Friday till Christmas Day, and then probably second to that is I don't know Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, when, when all the big summer sales really kick off. Um, yeah. But it's, it's so weird because, you know, it shows everyone at the very beginning of this episode, miserable as all hell, um, you know, exhausted because they're showing up at three in the morning for the Black Friday sale, you know, and all that kind mm-hmm. of jazz. Um, yeah. Everyone's very clearly having a bad time. Uh, you know, it's very stressful. They're all overworked. They're they're understaffed as, as these kind of stores tend to be, obviously, because management uh, sacrifices overhead like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, all, all that jazz. Anyway, uh, customers are fighting each other in the aisles. And then it's a weirdly a very triumphant moment when, in the midst of everyone being sick, they decide to band together and finish their shift anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's... That seems like a very weird... Like, 
Because the beginning of this is like, well, anyway, this sucks. You know what I mean? It, it's Yeah. But then it's a triumphant moment when they decide to <laughs> sacrifice their, their health to... I... Yeah. You see I what think I'm getting that, at? I do. And I think that a large thing that they were basically trying to depict with that scene at the end where they all band together is a sense that you've gotten because this is uh, like midway through season two at this point. And so you, you, you have grown to understand how these characters interact with each other and how they relate to each other and how, even though it seems as though they might have, you know, at best acquaintance at worst adversarial relationships with one another as, as team members, uh, that they are, somewhat of a and I hate to say it this way because I don't mean it that way but like a, a quote-unquote family you know and that they care about each other as people right, and right. and so and so I think that that was really what the purpose was behind everybody rallying once once Garrett had done so oh, also they had to you know they had to finish up the episode somehow and uh and you know at the end the the Dina and Garrett kiss happens and you know so they needed to still be in the store for that. So, yeah, so. That's, that's true. Well, I don't know. I, I a lot of my episode television, or excuse me, a lot of uh, the scripts that I write for episodic television, uh, none of which right. have been published, obviously, do end with me giving up. So I do relate to that. <laughs> Folks, I, oh, I'm not boy. a TV writer. I have a lot of unfinished scripts. You understand the joke. Um, yeah. Uh, no, no, I totally get that. And don't worry, I, I understand the, the you were concerned about the cringe aspect. Remember, it's only a red flag if management describes you as a family. That is true. That is you can, true. You can feel you have a familial bond to other coworkers. If When management says that we're a family, that's when you need to start watching your, uh, your paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Remember, folks, your boss is not your friend. Yeah, your boss is not your friend. This is a transactional relationship. You give them work, they give you money, end of. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's so weird that it was like, you know what, I'll do my best to sacrifice my health for Walmart. Um, right. Well, uh, anyway, unfortunately, that's a very prescient uh, uh, dynamic. Um, but yeah. It, but it, yeah, if it left a weird taste in my mouth. I was like, wait, I thought we, I thought they all agreed they hated this and could go home. Yeah, but I guess, you know, it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, living look i mean we all we all work at the expense of our health and and whatnot you know it's it's sure. a complicated and uh, ultimately bad relationship we have with capitalism but i get the you know I, I get the the motivation to to feel that you have to stay yeah definitely um so why don't you tell me what your impressions were of this episode in particular of the show that you were aware of uh, yeah, aware of, right, right, because I did, I did, I mean, certainly it's, it's, it's not like I, I haven't been aware of its cultural presence, um, uh-huh. you know, uh, uh, any, any television show that is sufficiently popular gets used as gifts everywhere. Oh, um, sure. I knew who Mateo is, and I know who Garrett is, because um, I think I've heard discussion about those characters being, um you know examples of like good representation or at least not uh-huh. maybe not even good representation just like uh, of diversified representation in comparison to all shows that came before it or whatever yeah yeah 
Although I've, I've certainly heard criticisms of, of both of those. I don't believe Colton Dunn is himself disabled. So He is not. Yeah. He is not. I know that is a criticism I've seen levied at that show. But but yeah. all, all, all I'm saying is that I've, I heard of it as a cultural presence in the same way that, you know, you can't be on the internet today and not know about the good place at all. Sure. Um, um, yeah, no, I found I found it charming. I found it charming, aside from the weird kind of conflicting messages, the weird kind of um, weird relationship to, to corporatism in there. You know, I, I, I found it, um, for you know, for the most part, what I imagine is pretty accurate about, like, the, the dread of having having to go through with this every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There are also storylines in later seasons about uh, some of the workers unionizing and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, so it does, it does definitely address things like that and does not just give you this rosy, warm picture of what it's like to work in a big box store. There are real conflicts involved, which actually, now that I mention it, makes me really curious to see how they, how they do address COVID and address being considered essential workers. And I should watch that season really, but, um, but yeah, they, they, yeah, they, uh, they address unionizing. They address, uh, I don't know if you know about this or not, but there is a, an overarching for multiple seasons subplot because Mateo is undocumented. Mm. And, uh, this is the other thing I'd heard. Yeah. Yeah, is he's undocumented, and there's there's a storyline, an entire plot surrounding that 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 finds some some good resolution, um, and gives, in my opinion, very sensitive commentary on what that whole situation would be like. So, it's a good show. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is one of the things I had heard about this show is that it was one of the more kind of progressive takes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so to speak, um, yeah. yeah. But and it seemed like a pretty uh, stark and accurate portrayal of of you know the complications of working in a place like this. Um, yeah. With you know you know being overworked, having an incompetent manager, trying to find community in a place that is kind of actively hostile to you. Um. Community yeah. and com- community and camaraderie, I guess both of those. Yeah. Um. Even if you may resent the people that you work with directly, <laughs> yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Got a, got a good chuckle out of it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think it had a little bit. There's there's like a modern trend in comedy writing that I that I don't care for, and I feel yeah. like it gets used in a lot of like animated family movies. Um, the kind of uh, did I do that esque style writing, or mm, that was the thing that happened, kind of writing. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there was a little bit in there and that kind of, that kind of irked me because I, I really cannot stomach that type of writing mm-hmm. um, where, 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 you know, a joke is told and then like double attention is placed on the joke. Um, yeah. Oh, that was the thing. That kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I think there was a little bit of that there in that, but I found a lot of it like, you know, I don't know, really, really charming and actually genuinely funny. Um, yeah. I don't know if I told you this, but did I tell you what I did for Thanksgiving this last year? I don't know. Uh, well, it wasn't just Thanksgiving. It was uh, because we started it like a, a few days prior. Uh, but I celebrated T. Hanks giving this year, ah. uh, which was uh, in that uh, my roommate and I watched eight Tom Hanks movies over the course of a week. That's amazing. Uh, and by over the course of the week, I want to say uh, two days. Oh, wow. Because uh, that was a Monday, which I have off, uh, mm-hmm. and then Thanksgiving Day itself. Mm. We watched, oh, God. We watched Castaway, Lady Killers, The Terminal. 
Okay, I see why you're talking about this now. I had forgotten about that part. Uh, catch me if you can. Yeah. Joe versus the Volcano. What am I at? Five? A League of oh, Their yeah. Own. Six. Sully. Seven. Oh, God, what was eight? Oh, oh, uh, Road to Perdition. Mm. Um, so it was very charming when Garrett starts listing Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, there, there's a bit in this show where, where he is told that he needs to uh, start working on one of the cashier, excuse me, uh, he needs to start working on one of the cash registers um, because they're short-staffed on the front line. Uh, and he needs to, he was running the, basically the announcement microphone at, at what I imagine is like the, the like returns Information or center or whatever? Information yeah. center, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, actually, I guess that's usually one thing, information and returns or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Customer service desk. There we go. Sure. Um, uh, he's told like, okay, well, once you finish this announcement, you need to start, uh, you need to start helping over at the cash register. And his response to that is like, oh, once I finish, well, then I'll just never finish this, uh, announcement. Right. And he pivots from, uh, he pivots from talking about, uh, the, the tablet or whatever it was that he was, he was recommending, you know, tablets are on sale in aisle six, you know, you can get them for 50% off or, you know, whatever that, that speech was. Sure. There are many movies that you can watch on the tablet. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> Forrest Gump. And he just starts listing movies and then eventually starts giving individual plot summaries for individual Tom oh, Hanks God. movies. Oh, God. What was that really funny one that he said? He was like, Mrs. Doubtfire. And then he said that, and he described the plot of him. And I wish I could remember what it was now, but I thought it was so funny. Oh, uh, it was um, it was Face Off. That one movie with Nicolas Cage where he switches faces and talks about he's gonna, how he's going to eat a peach for hours. Thank you. Yes. 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 Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for the end, but my favorite joke from this episode came from that, uh, came from mm. that whole whole spiel that he gave. Uh, okay. But as someone who, who recently, I guess three months ago, watched like eight Tom Hanks movies over the course of two days, uh, it was real charming to hear about all of those. And I'm so how many key ones I hadn't watched because we didn't watch Apollo 13 or Forrest Gump. Oh, wow. Uh, and I probably never want to watch Forrest Gump again, TBH, so. I haven't watched Forrest Gump in several, several years. Uh, but I remember having, I've seen it multiple times, and I remember enjoying it. It's culturally complicated. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's been several, several years. I, I mean, like, when I say that, I mean, it might have been, like, 16 years or so since the last time that I watched that movie, so. That is... <laughs> Look, we're we're all getting older, but that is a problem I've run into uh, a little bit. Where uh, we've been watching, look, me and my roommates have been watching a lot of movies over quarantine because there's not a ton else to do, um, and that has come up where I've been like, oh, we should watch this. I haven't seen this in like I don't know since I was in high school, like ten years. Oh no! And then I just kind of stare at the ceiling for a second. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, put it. Yeah, no, put it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I as I come to grips with the fact that I'm approaching my ten year. Um, my 10-year oh, high school reunion. Yeah, mine is uh, my 20-year high school reunion mm-hmm. is this year. is in 2021. I graduated in 2001. Because we are and, exactly 10 years apart. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to have to go to that either because mm-hmm. we're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. Um, yeah, but no, I don't know. That's that's about all I thought about it is that I had a weird relationship with, with the uh, the environment that it took place in. But, I mean, I guess that's yeah. that's where comedy comes from. Comedy is about conflict. Um, mm-hmm. Well, comedy is about, I guess, reversal of expectations, but it also stems from conflict. Yeah. Um, conflict of ideas or conflict of location or conflict of the self, whatever. Um, I guess that's all storytelling, but, you know, now I'm just being broad. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's an interesting medium to tell to tell comedic stories through because as, as we were noting earlier in this episode, a lot of workplace comedies are about professionals. Mm-hmm. Pro- professionals as, as, as corporate America defines professionals. Right, right, right. Um, obviously, everyone who works a job is a professional, but professional very specifically means like a realtor or an office worker or an ad exec. Yeah, yeah. Man, I really can't think of anything, any other big examples that come off the top of my head. I can't either. I'm definitely going to have to look this up. Or, or if somebody, if somebody does work a blue collar job like that, that's like the job of the dad in a living room comedy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Al Bundy or whatever is a shoe yeah. salesman and like that kind of thing. Yeah, it's never the focus of a show. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the workplace. It is an aspect of one of the key characters of a family room comedy. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. See, this is what we're talking about. Genre storytelling and, uh, and television. We've just <laughs> yeah. unlocked a, a weird key axis of how uh, workplace comedies work. I'm into it. I love that for us. I just kind of wanted... Uh, to talk about this show and this episode because I do think that it's a really great launching episode for somebody who's not as familiar with the show because I do think that it very, uh, let's see, how do I say this? I do think that it it is very good at explaining who everybody is, how the show works, all of that stuff. It's just a good episode and and it's funny. Um, So speaking of funny, why why don't you go ahead and tell me what your favorite joke was? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, actually, I will say, speaking about it being a good launching point, I mm. think maybe this was intentional, maybe this wasn't, but I think it helps with onboarding. And no, actually, I'm sure this came up in a marketing meeting some at some point. Okay. I think it really is a benefit to this show that because it is a retail environment, everyone has huge-ass name tags that say their character name on them. Yeah, except Amy's uh, a running gag on the show is that Amy wears a name tag with a different person's name on it every episode. Oh, that's right. Right, right. That's like, yeah, that's the hook of the pilot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because she was like Ramona or something. There's a list out there. <laughs> it exists. It's on the internet. But yeah, everybody has their name on their name tag except for Amy, whose name is different every episode. Yeah, I, I think that, that, that probably, you know, contributes to... I'm sure there was a meeting about that. Like, because it's, you know, because it's a workplace comedy or because it's a, a sitcom... You know, you can approach it in any order, usually. There's not, you know... I mean, there are season-long arcs, but, like, they're, sitcoms are meant to be approachable in a certain way that, like, prestige mm-hmm. dramas aren't. Right. And I'm sure that is a, a contributing factor, is that everyone is, like, clearly labeled as a character. Right. Um, helps, you, uh, help, helps you learn who you're dealing with quickly uh, in the same way that you could not if you jumped into season four of Game of Thrones. Sure. Sure. Which is, incidentally, why I watched... All four seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> all four seasons? There were like eight seasons, but you know what? I, I watched four of them, and then I was like, okay. That's right, right, right. Because because you heard about an anticipated moment in like season five or something. Correct, correct. It was the end of season four, but yeah, I had to watch. And I'm a completionist, so I had to to I had to have the the emotional background to to fully appreciate and understand this right. monologue in season four. So right. I watched all four seasons, and then I stopped. <laughs> I, I, I know you are a completionist. Uh, we nearly got in a fight over the fact that you tried to start a like 500 episode podcast at the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because I was like, well, no, I have to start at the beginning of this podcast. And you're like, you really don't though, bud. Like you really <laughs> you don't. You really don't. It's a talk show. You can start in the middle. <laughs> it's totally fine. Not episodic. Doesn't matter. And I'm like, but I must. Yeah. 
I've gotten better about that. Leslie, you are a dear and treasured friend. That was the maddest I ever got at you. <laughs> I have since gotten a lot better about that and, and taking podcast episodes in the spirit in which they are intended, which is if it's not a serial story of some sort, then I will just listen to them in whatever order. So... So you ended up winning that one over time. Okay, okay. Uh, for the listener, uh, for context, it was my brother, my brother, and me. Yeah, I straight up thought I had to start at the beginning of that for some stupid-ass reason, and I didn't. Not only did I not have to, yeah, I should not have. <laughs> Nobody should. The beginning of that show, at both the McElroy's admittance and also from a fan perspective, is that, like, eh, the first 50 or so episodes, like, weren't great. They were still figuring it out, and they were kind of, like assholes back in the day yeah because yeah. it's you know because they've been doing it for 10 years uh or whatever so so yeah. leslie started in like 2019 and we like a couple of us were like on our hands and knees like no you can just start at like 400 <laughs> and i'm like no i have to start in episode one that's not how it works it's yeah. not how any of this works <laughs> i mean gotta truly be like well super bowl 50 uh 52 is coming up i better start with super bowl one <laughs> yeah Gotta see what happened previously on the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, the 97th Academy Awards. Unfortunately, I must get it. No. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, I'm sorry. I'm just razzing you. What's your favorite joke? My favorite joke from the entire, from the entire episode was, uh, as Garrett is continually uh, vamping on the microphone, just said, anybody seen Sully? I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one was really, really good. This episode had a lot of really funny moments that had me laughing out loud. Um, a lot of Garrett's work on the announcements was definitely was definitely up there for me. Uh, I do think, though, that I am so glad. So at the end of this episode, some tension that has been building between two characters, Dina and Garrett, finally comes to something when Dina kisses Garrett at the end of the episode. And yeah, there was some tension that it had been for a few episodes prior. It was like, hmm, what's what's going on there? And so, uh, but I love that because they all had food poisoning or whatever kind of stomach bug, that after Dina kissed Garrett, Garrett said, I kind of wish I hadn't spent the whole day puking. And then Dina said, yeah, me too. Find every piece of gum in the store and meet me in the photo lab, which is which is historically where people go to hook up in, in Cloud9. Yeah, I, I gathered, well, it's dark and, and needs to remain locked for significant periods of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I gathered that based on uh, based on conversations uh, happening on the phone with uh, America Ferreira. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. With, with Amy, when she suspected she might be pregnant, found out that she wasn't, realized that something bad was going on with her love life because she just wasn't happy with her husband. Yeah. So that's kind of the beginning of it because she's married at the beginning of the series. Um, right. I was wondering about that because as, as I was writing the introduction for the show, you were telling me like, you know, Jonah acts as, uh, right, Jonah, that's the character's name? Yeah, Jonah mm -hmm. uh, acts as a bit of a love interest. And I, I kind of figured like, well, hmm, she already seems to be in a relationship. Surely that deteriorates in some way. It does. It does. And it actually does not have anything to do with Jonah either. For, if I remember correctly, that that kind of happens sort of at the same time. Um, but yeah, but like in this episode, Amy just straight up tells her husband that she's not happy. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, so that's, that's what, that's, yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel, 
I feel like uh, like both of the both of those kind of key elements of her character arc in this episode. Again, I say this without having seen any of the rest of the show except for the pilot. Sure. Um, I don't know. Those those both feel you know uh, very realistic to me. The idea of like, hey, you know, the relationship you're in currently isn't going to be your last necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. And also uh, her her reaction to her possible pregnancy. Um, Yeah. That you know. uh, a, a decent chunk about the latter half of this episode is her coming to terms with like, well, I was relieved to find out I wasn't pregnant in the moment, but also I started having, you know, as she as she feels that relief, she feels the more complicated feelings of, but maybe that's something I could be wanting. Which, um, by the way, uh, was just such a great conversation for her to have with Jonah in the bathroom stalls. Uh, after after which point Jonah's like, so are you going to finish? And she's like, no, I'm waiting on you to finish. And it's like, that's real. That's yeah. real. Um, not to look, I hope work for home doesn't last forever. But if I never have to shit in one of those stalls with one of those, those terrible toilet paper rollers uh, uh-huh. ever again, uh, society will be better for it. I don't know, man. I mean, like, I haven't had to hold in a fart for like a year. So I have no idea how I'm supposed to go back into an office after this. <laughs> The, those those bathrooms specifically are just so uncomfortable. Uh, well, we got really lucky because our office actually has the bathrooms that are like rooms. Like you open a door and it's an entire room just for you. You can fucking get naked and take a shit if you want to. No one will ever know. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that was a sensitive portrayal of pregnancy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how to come back from that. Um <laughs> No, but I but I, I think that you know that was nice. It wasn't just like you know it, it wasn't just um, a, a polar reaction to that. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like ah, I'm relieved. I'm young. I don't need that, or right. or or the opposite, I guess, which is you know I need to settle down and think about family and all that. You know that it was mm-hmm. a weird kind of complicated middle ground for her, and she's very clearly being like, oh well, we'll have to come. You know, the the show is saying we'll have to come back to this. Yeah. Um, well, she already has a daughter too. Um, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right, she right, does. Right, right. But her, but her kid is like a teenager because she had her kid when she was really young, and so you know that's how she that's how she realized like or thought that that's what that was because she has experienced it once before. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think that's a yeah that's a really nice kind of character touch point. Um, I agree. Yeah, I liked that. Um, good, good show, good show. I, I really like this cast. I really like these, uh, these characters. I don't. I feel I don't know a ton about Jonah, whether I like him or not, uh, because he's not really the focus of this episode to a degree. Um, yeah. And and kind of existed as a kind of a. I don't want to just say annoying, but like the kind of the point was that he was a bit of an irritant in this episode. Yeah, I feel like Jonah is kind of. He's very optimistic. And mm-hmm. he's also very nerdy. Like there have been multiple Halloween episodes in which they all dress up in Halloween costumes and his are always uh, very obtuse and political in nature and oh. stuff like that. And so, you know, he's just he's just one of those kind of personalities. A Ben Wyatt motherfucker, huh? A bit, a bit. Yeah. Which unfortunately means he's also a Ben Hamlin motherfucker, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's 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 pretty great though. I I, I like Jonah a lot. Uh, folks, whether or not we, I'll, I'll get this out of the way now. Whether or not we ever cover Parks and Recreation on this series of uh, uh, workplace comedies, the amount of people who have told me that I remind them or that Ben Wyatt reminds them of me, uh, 
Uh, we're approaching two dozen. <laughs> I know. Ah, yes. I know that ah, I'm that yes. character. Trust me. Uh, I could I could be no better exemplified by me holding up the Infinity Brick logo and going, can a depressed person make this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know. Sa- save your save your Twitter submissions. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about all I have to say on, on uh, Superstore, unless you've got uh, more that you want to add. No, that's about all I've got. All right, folks. Uh, that concludes our discussion of uh, Superstore. Let us know the, uh, what you think about this show. Uh, if you have a favorite episode, if you have a favorite character, we would uh, love to hear about that. You can let us know directly at InfinityBreak23 on Twitter using the hashtag uh, SWLAB. That's syndicated with Leslie and Ben, uh, who we've incident- incidentally realized are the name of the two main characters of uh, Parks and Recreation. Whoopsie doodle dee. so cute. Aww. Three years after we started of Horses and Men, we finally caught on to that fucking awesome uh but yeah yeah you can let us know there you can also let me know at ben c hamlin that is b-e-n-c-h-a-m-l-i-n over on twitter.com leslie where can people find you people can find me on twitter at vanetti v-a-n-e-t-t-i um that is where i am most prominently and find me there if you want to talk you want to hang out talk to me at superstore you can check out all of our other work at infinitybreak.net, where we're telling stories our own way. We have plenty of podcasts there, including tabletop performances and media criticism shows. If you like uh, this kind of discussion, you can always check out Sneeple the Movies, our sibling podcast, uh, which talks about film in the same way that we talk about television. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinitybreak, where you can support uh, this show and all of our other work at, uh, for as little as $1 a month. If you like the show that we're listening to, you we are, you are more than encouraged to leave a five-star review on whatever listening platform you choose to listen to us on. Uh, you can also tell your friends, once again, if you want us to notice, uh, you can use the hashtag SWLAB, SWLAB, I guess, uh, just like Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> Aww. Um, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that about concludes it for this week. Uh, next week, uh, Leslie, what, what show are we talking about next week? Oh, next time we're going to be talking about Party Down, which is, as just as we said, oh, there really aren't any blue-collar workplace comedies. We're like, except for that other one that we're also going to be discussing. So, uh, so, so. speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Ben Wyatt, or rather Adam Scott, yeah, we're going to be talking about the, the Star Series Party Down. Yeah. It's about a, a group of uh, uh, Los Angeles Hollywood uh, caterers. So look forward to that. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, I've been the Ben of that. And I have been the Leslie. Thanks, everybody. show you've just been listening to was syndicated with Leslie and Ben, featuring Leslie Yates and Ben Hamlin. The show is produced and edited by Ben Hamlin, with a theme song by Mandra Sigma and a logo by Tara Bossart. You can check out all of our other work at infinitybreak.net.